Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff. And I'm Jessica Schleif. And we are here at Teresa's beautiful greenhouse. Yep, we're on my farm in Olney. We're just outside of Astoria. It's a very cool, slightly drizzly day in fall. And we've been thinking a lot about things to do this time of year. Autumn is one of those transition points in gardens and farms where, you know, a season is ending, there's a lot of harvest, there's some, some cleanup, maybe some changeover, kind of depending on what you're planning to do in fall and winter. And also it's a time to kind of set yourself up for next spring. Mm -hmm. So Jessica, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you like to focus on in, in your own garden, in the gardens that you work in? this time of year. And I know that that's evolved over the years. And so, I, and I'm excited about the evolution and talking about that. So yeah, tell yeah. me a little bit and about I think, that. I think each of us have a, um, a slightly different thing that's happening in our practices, our mm -hmm. garden practices. You're kind of uh, growing flowers mm -hmm. and you are growing vegetables for people to eat. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a little bit of that in, in my gardening world, but a lot of uh, what I'm working with in my professional gardening mm -hmm. world is uh, people's, you know, people's home gardens. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe there's a little bit of food mm -hmm. or a little cut garden. But, but more a ornamentals. lot of it is, yeah. is um, environments, mm -hmm. you know, rooms outside to enjoy uh, collections of plants, uh, matrixes of, of plants that are kind of evolving as trees are growing, shading out some of the perennials mm -hmm. and ferns are coming in or uh, creating bulb collections that are kind of coming and going. And um, this time of year, uh, as as we get to have some of this beautiful moisture mm -hmm. coming at us, God, yeah. it feels so good to have these misty days. And a lot of, of what I'm doing in the fall really depends on some of that moisture to start happening. And, mm -hmm. and things have been so unpredictable with the weather. And, yeah. and I still have this feeling like, could could we get another little real hot run? And I know that that would be really uncharacteristic, but but boy, we've had so many weather things that have. Yeah. It's, it is strange and I think it's hard to plan sometimes because there's so much uncertainty. And I, I certainly know that I feel like, especially in the last few years, I'm, I'm planning for uncertainty, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of making an assumption that I have no idea what's going to happen. And so kind of trying to strategize and be ready to respond if we get you know, like a, an early frost. Yeah. Like this time last yeah. year, we had an early frost that just, you know, knocked back all my dahlias. They were basically dead yeah. and they never rebloomed. And that was a month before that usually happens. It was a, it was a shocker and doesn't seem like that's going to happen now, but I'm kind of emotionally prepared for it. Every morning I wake up and I'm like, what's, oh, what's up there? It's that <laughs> difference between being mm -hmm. emotionally prepared for it and knowing you can't really have like mm -hmm. a s solid set in stone mm -hmm. plan, but also, you know, it's my time to start dividing perennials Absolutely. and, you know, I call it uh the, the shuffle time or the musical <laughs> chairs time yep. in a lot of the gardens mm -hmm. that I help to care for 
where I've been strategizing and thinking all year in the in the visual department, you know, who who uh who needs division mm -hmm. who uh who do i want to move into a different part of the garden mm -hmm. um who who do i want to make more of in the plant peoples yeah. uh, so and that's an exciting you know this is such an exciting time for me to be able to get those creative energies mm -hmm. going it kind of percolates all year looking at the various um you know, pictures that we've developed mm -hmm. with plant material and hardscaping and, and looking at the flow of those things and, and what uh, plants have performed really well, what plants maybe didn't seem happy where they were, yeah. uh, how new additions did. Uh, it's, yeah, and and letting myself go ahead and start moving in that direction of actually executing some of those thoughts I've had. I have lists and lists yeah. for each of the little, you know, gardens thinking, oh, I want to make more of these or, or, or completely take this out. This hasn't worked or it's been too aggressive. And yeah. so those are some of the things that I'm doing right now, uh, choosing which perennials I'm going to go ahead and, and cut back and which things I'm going to leave up for the winter, collecting seeds from things, mm -hmm. doing some seed scatter scattering. Yeah. For uh, things that you want to reseed. Exactly. And this is a time of year when those seeds would naturally be scattering, exactly. but maybe you're scattering them further than they would exactly. have gone. And yeah. also um, doing a little bit of saving so that I can, I can then also do a, a spring scatter or to be able to um, take some of those things into different gardens mm -hmm. uh, rather than where I'm actually collecting yeah. them. Um, it's a thoughtful time. I feel like it it's really interesting. Um, one of the things that I started doing recently in, in um, I would say like the last five years in try, I, I'm not, I, I want to be the kind of person who keeps a garden journal or a farm uh -huh. journal and document everything and when does this start blooming and when does this die back and I'm just terrible at that but I um, was talking to some uh, farmers and they were suggesting using your smartphone as your, your your journal in a sense and just taking photographs we're kind of doing that aren't at we at different times of year and I so I, I try and do like I try to go to the same place on the farm and stand there and do like almost like a 360 mm -hmm. like photographs of what's what's happening then and, and document certain plants at different times of year so I can remember when does that bloom when do the leaves die back when do I need to move that when does that start to to emerge in the spring yeah. and it's really been helpful to have that visual record for me to also remember certain times of year and thinking about that and I can see how in a garden that would also be helpful and useful to get a sense of what's happening right now and then what was happening this time last year yeah and just to remember um, oh yeah that's what happens that's when this plant you know starts to this is when I should start thinking about digging this up and dividing it or that is the beauty of these phones and taking so many yeah. photographs which I'm just drawn to taking the photographs because there's so much beauty around me and so many things happening with often I'm taking pictures of bees or <laughs> butterflies but also taking pictures of these blooms and, mm -hmm. and, and various things that really spark 
at times during the during I, the season, and, I, and then it turns into a catalog. <laughs> I just, I have to tell you about the coolest thing that I did yesterday. Um, I downloaded an app on my smartphone uh, that, that our friend Holly had told me about. It's called Seek. It's um, from iNaturalist, um, and it's just the word Seek, S-E-E-K. You just look it up on your app store, and it uh, you it like it's a little camera an ID program and you uh, hold it up to a plant and it IDs it and it IDs it I or, hear or about an these insect things. and it was amazing and I'd seen Holly do it and I was like oh that's really cool and then there was a plant um, we were cleaning up an area on the farm and there was this plant and I'm, and I'm thinking I'm pretty sure that's pretty everlasting but I'm not sure and I took a picture and I sent it to you but at the same time I'm thinking oh what was that app oh, and wait, so I the, asked the photo didn't come through I oh heard, it didn't no. oh <laughs> I just saw your is pearly everlasting native <laughs> oh so the, well then that's great because what I ended up doing was downloading this app and held it up to the plant and it said pearly everlasting so on the one hand I was like I am vindicated I can do plant ID but also it was so cool and I went around to a whole bunch of other plants and it totally got them you're kidding it is the coolest thing people tell me about these things you know it's i it, it's just a strange thing because i have i struggle with with smartphones in a lot of ways but, I struggle but with this apps. well yes but this was a really cool thing because it could help id a weed uh-huh you know or it could help id an insect or it can help id you know whatever there's all these caterpillars this time of year and i'm always wondering which caterpillar well, is and that? i'm always looking these things mm-hmm. up i'm always photographing things mm-hmm. and then going into the books yeah and which then, i do love and a then book. giving up and, and googling it sometimes <laughs> so anyway i just really want to throw it out there to recommend that app it was great seek okay. s-e-e-k seek um it was it was very cool and i can see using that a lot in the future yeah. it was great Wow. Um, but so that was interesting to look at and just think about it, it's in this plant is completely not where I want it to be. So I have to move it. But just thinking about like, oh, where do I want to move this to and where can I plant it? It, it, it was interesting to see that and and be thinking about, OK, this is that time of year. We move things around in the fall. And yeah. that is partly to um, especially with perennials. It's a good time of year because they're going dormant. They're not putting on a lot of active growth. And so it's, it's more stressful to a plant to move mm-hmm. it when it's actively growing. And then when you move it to a new spot, it has the whole winter to get its roots reestablished and settle in. So that when spring comes around again and it does start putting on that growth, it's, it's kind of more well-established. Yeah. I mean, we, are... we can move things in yeah. early spring. Yeah. But really the plants are much happier mm-hmm. if we're doing that work now and, and like you're saying, mm-hmm. they, they have that time to settle in, start mm-hmm. making some root growth before they're having to put on green growth. And honestly, you're going to get a happier and better looking plant, tree, mm-hmm. shrub, perennial, um, if you're doing that work now and they can take the time. Um, so, some of the divisions I'm doing right now are daylilies, um, a lot of the perennials that are really chunking mm-hmm. out. And explain why you divide perennials. Well, you can get away with not doing it. Mm-hmm. Some of the reasons that I would divide is it makes a healthier plant. Because it can get too crowded. Exactly, because it can get too crowded. Um, same thing with irises or things like that, um, like the 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 rhizomous irises can crowd themselves out. Um, a lot of my 
motivation is wanting to make more plants <laughs> so that I can have larger swaths mm -hmm. or have repeats. And so that that um, visual or artistic desire actually moves me forward or motivates me to do uh, it. But yes, there are a number of things that are a lot happier if, they, if they're actually divided and not left to get up really, really big. Sometimes you can have uh, center die out on, mm -hmm. on various things if they're left to just kind of be enormous. Or sometimes like the pearly everlasting. I mean, that I, I, I know I sent you a text message about this um, after you asked me to ID. Yeah. Uh, that plant is something that I weeded out of the gardens for years. And I thought, oh, I, I just, oh, look at this weed coming up. And then realizing, oh, gosh, this can be really pretty in some areas if you have enough room for it, mm -hmm. you know, because it can be an enormous mat maker. Mm -hmm. But if you have the right space for it, it pairs so beautifully with yarrow, yeah, uh, with the ornamental grasses. But I will say, if it has the room, it is going to run and it's just going to make a giant mat. So if your space is at a, mm -hmm. a minimum, really knowing that you might have to go back in there in the fall and, and scale that down and yeah. pass it along to someone else. I'm trying to think of other things that I'm that I'm dividing this time of year. Um, the Helianiums. Um, Which are what? Don't speak plant Latin at it, me. Well, it's like, <laughs> I, I, what's the name of it? It's not sneeze. It might be sneeze weed is the, the um, you know, common it. name. I know I love the common names. Sometimes I, I like just using those mm -hmm. instead of the um, daisy-like blossom, mm -hmm. oranges, yellows, yeah. lots of different varieties. Um, the ornamental grasses. Sometimes I'll do fall divisions, but honestly, the ornamental grasses are happier with a spring division. Mm -hmm. um, but so many of those are so tough yeah. that it's okay. You know, you can go ahead and, and yeah. pop them out this time of year. And I, I'll use a, a dirt saw that I have to go ahead and chop some of those things up. Because the, 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 the mass is so dense. It is. You need and, to saw through still, it. even with the smaller perennials, you know, I always saw these pictures in books where people pop into, you know, digging forks and somehow divide a perennial. I've never been able to do that. It doesn't make any sense, <laughs> I know. does it? So I, I really like to use, um, you know, my hori, my hori hori, which is my, my go-to. It's a digging knife. Yeah, it's a mm -hmm. digging knife, and that's kind of my go-to weeding tool. Mm -hmm. But it also really comes in handy with the divisions. You can pop things out with a digging fork or a small spade and then use that hoary to kind of almost like Get a little there. saw. But I also have an older saw that I didn't, like a pruning saw that I didn't replace the blade on. And I've kind of relegated that to my, my dirt saw. Mm -hmm. It's good to use for um, chopping roots of things that are harder to get out. And then it's great to get in there and, and be able to do divisions. There's some perennials, like some of the hardy geraniums or things that are more sensitive to where you're dividing them. And you're going to be teasing those things apart and kind of looking for where the, the root masses are. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good... It's good to practice if you've never divided perennials before. 
I think picking something that's a really large clump or maybe something that you don't care very much about <laughs> yeah, yeah. to practice on because it can take a while to really get a feel for it. And I know I would say this is something that would be true like for me learning how to divide our dahlia tubers. Yes. Um, for years and years, I was terrified of doing it because I didn't, you know, like, especially doing it in the fall, you can't really see where the eyes are and it can be kind of challenging. But I knew that they would be so much healthier if you did divide them. Yes. Um, because with, again, they, they grow into these huge clumps and like the more dense the clumps are, you start getting tubers that rot in the inside right. and that can kind of spread throughout and you don't get as, as healthy a bloom if you have these really enormous clumps of dahlias. And so you want to divide them. Um, but I just didn't have the confidence and I didn't really understand it. And I, you know, took some courses, watched a lot of videos, read some great blogs, did some, like a lot of, of research on it. And then just like and I know you've helped me do this, just hacked into some clumps and, you know, maybe got one or two viable tubers out of an enormous clump of dahlia tubers because I, I didn't do it right the first few times. And so it was, you know, having some sacrificial clumps that I didn't really care about was great to learn on. And now I feel like something really clicked last year and I feel like, okay, I get it now. I know what I'm looking for. I know what a healthy tuber looks like. I know how to cut and where to cut. And so I think it just takes practice. It's like anything, it takes practice. It does. And I think in, um, you know, in our culture or our society, the, the way that we live our lives now, often we don't have mentors. Mm -hmm. We are not working in community. Mm -hmm. We are not having those things passed to us. I know that I'm a very physical learner. Mm -hmm. I, I really love being next to someone that really knows what they're doing, whether it be pruning or knitting or dividing plants. Yeah. Someone it, can show you this is what it should look like. Well, and there's also something just about like yes soaking in that visual of someone doing it mm -hmm. but also soaking in the physicality of how someone's moving how they're interacting with the plant or the wool or the you know whatever the thing is the tree mm -hmm. uh, fruit tree pruning is a great example you can read and and you can you can yeah. watch videos but eventually you're going to just have to do it yep. and if there's not someone there with you that that knows what they're doing <laughs> then you're just going to have to do it you know a number of yeah. times or i've watched you with the dahlias in groups of people with people not necessarily you know all of us kind of not knowing exactly or having yeah. a sense of yeah. um but 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 learning together yeah. but but boy i have just had the you know, I have a lot of gratitude for the people in my life that I've often been working for that, you know, had a speciality of one, one thing or another, whether it be pruning Japanese maples or dividing plants or mm -hmm. moving bulbs around and, and being able to kind of soak in some of that knowledge by working next to someone. So that is a thing to think about out in our community. And I know we're limited in some ways right now with how we have to move around with masking and physical distancing. But, you know, look to those elders that are out there that are around you and in your neighborhood that Absolutely. have great dahlias or have a tree you admire yeah. or a tree that produces a lot of apples or pears and glean knowledge from 
Absolutely. From other I feel like it's, you know, gardeners tend to be very generous with their knowledge and love talking about gardening. Often, um, you know, especially if they don't live with a fellow gardener, yes. they're really looking for someone to talk about gardening with. So <laughs> I, I think it's a great idea that, you know, if there's someone in your neighborhood that has a really great garden, you know, if you see them out working in their garden, to just stop and ask and ask some questions and advice because you may be able to glean some things from them or ask them, hey, could I come and watch you when you're digging up your plants mm -hmm. or when you're pruning because I'd like to learn. And I, that is, you're right, it's an absolutely a wonderful way to transfer knowledge and to share those those resources that I think people are really hungry for right now. I think especially in this you know crazy year, there were so many people that took up gardening as a, as a response to you know, the pandemic and the uncertainty and lots of people started gardening, maybe who had never gardened before. And I feel like this is always kind of like that going through that first season, like when you've never gardened before and you just start, it can be so um, disheartening because oftentimes a lot of things are going to fail yeah. and it, you, you're going to kill a lot of plants and things aren't going to turn out the way you want. And being reassured or having somebody say, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know, that's that happens, you know, don't give up, hang in there, try it again. Now, these are the things you do this time of year, I think. And I, I would like to say that to everybody. If this was your first year gardening, don't give up. And you know, have and, and hang in there. Yes. And, you know, if your tomato had one tomato, go ahead and be, you know, proud really of that one tomato connected to that tomato you know, and enjoy eating. Yeah, it. it just takes time. And I, I think about like it's I'm kind of shocked to realize that, you know, I've been I've been farming now for you know, like 18 years off and on, you know, gardening, farming, you know, I haven't been farming the whole time we've been living here on the Oregon coast, but a lot of that time it's been um, just learning and killing a lot of plants mm -hmm. and having terrible failures and realizing, oh yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't want to grow here or, oh, I shouldn't have done that, you know, or, you know. Or having successes mm -hmm. with something and then, you know, having a season where something unpredictable happens. I know I really got my garlic growing game on for oh, some yeah. seasons and felt like, oh, man, I've got this down. I know what to fertilize with. And I've, I've made enough garlic and have enough garlic hanging in my basement to get me through the season. And then about two seasons ago, just had my entire crop, like, wiped out with rust. Ugh. And it just... Yeah, you know, I really had to sit with that and go, oh, okay, well, that yeah. can happen. That's a thing that can happen. <laughs> I know we've had some really bad powdery mildew outbreaks on our farm, and you know, that's just gonna heartbreaking. Happen. It's gonna happen. It is, but when it just wipes out an entire crop, especially when it wipes it out way earlier than you were expecting to lose it, it yeah. just feels you feel sort of helpless when you start seeing it coming on, and it's weather related. You know, when it's damp. And sometimes when it's warm and damp and you get that kind of muggy thing happening, I just know. It can be related to so many things. I mean, we could do a whole powdery yeah. mildew oh. show. but And it, it is a heartbreaker. And yet it happens. And some years it's worse than others. And I think just being prepared for that. And that's what I realized over the, over the years that I have been doing like some kind of gardening in my life. Um, I feel like I've, this time of year is that point when you stop and take take stock and yeah. like what happened what went right what didn't you know sometimes Think I try about to just preventative measures mm -hmm. I just try to make little lists like make little notes to myself about what are the things that I'm really happy about this year what what went well 
you know, what were the successes and what were the things that I wish had come out differently or what did I learn? And it's fun every once in a while to come across those lists and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember learning that lesson. Or, oh, gee, that's the same list that I made five years ago and I just made it again. I know. I know. Am I going to ever learn? But But over time, I think you do start to learn and you do start to see patterns and you do start to just know. Yep. And, and watching the plants, the plants will tell you the plants and the birds and um, all of those things. And I, I think that that's something that I love about this time of year, watching things die back and 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 learning over time. And something you've really helped me learn, um, leaving plants, not mm-hmm. cutting them back, not cleaning, leaving the leaves on the ground, knowing that insects need those piles of leaves to overwinter in. I, we've been having the most amazing flock of I think they're like a, a yellow warbler bird uh-huh. come through our um, anise hyssop, the licorice mint, and, and just, all the, mm. the the flower heads are dying. They've gone to seed. And I think I can't count them because they're so tiny and they move so fast, but it's got to be 30 or 40 birds just coming through this row. And like all the plants are just vibrating. And when I walk close to it, they just like, it's a huge cloud of them. They just fly up in the sky and chitter away. And they're loving those plants. I'm like, well, I'm just going to leave them as long as I need to because clearly they're getting something out of it. Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, we've talked about that so often and it's something that has been such a large part of my garden practice. Again, sometimes motivated mm-hmm. by visuals because I want to see that cardoon head up because mm-hmm. I want to see those poppy seed heads up because they're part of a, yeah. a picture that, that speaks to me or or looks well to me. Yeah. And I realized that that's because it makes sense for the natural world too. And, you know, leaves, leaves drop off of trees for a reason to, to feed those trees. And, and there are definitely things like fruit trees that we want to pull some of that leaf litter away. If we have diseases happening that, mm-hmm. that we want to pull some of that away or, or dispose or burn some of that. But if you have a beautiful, healthy tree, that leaf litter is going to be the mulch and the home for an amazing array of, of bugs and mycelia and then turn into food in the spring for that mm-hmm. tree. Yeah. And and by leaving some of those seed heads up, you know, we're, we're working so hard to have some of those poppies come back next year, or maybe have some baby anise hyssops to be yeah. able to pass on to another person or move to another place or replace the ones that are, mm-hmm. are past their prime and going to pass away this year. Um, by leaving those seed heads up, some of that stuff can just happen naturally without yeah. us doing any work and just letting nature do the work for us and being able to take the time to sit back with a cup of tea and watch it's oh. beautiful it is a really beautiful time of year i think and that transition I, even though there's some really beautiful things that are dying you know and every day i go out and look at all the colorful flowers and just feel like oh, i know you're going to be gone soon and i love the color it's so lush and you know some of the the vegetables and the fruits and just seeing that change hard but at the same time it's so beautiful yeah as well and so it is just a, a, such a glorious time of year beautiful time of year and beautiful time of year to make sure to leave up some of those elderberries mm-hmm. leave some of those last blueberries some of those crab apples for yeah. 
for our nature friends the birds absolutely yeah they're gonna they're gonna the thank you for it uh, yeah. the deer <laughs> yeah well, it's you all know, part it's, of it it yeah. is good and it you know i think it's to also totally okay it's nice to be able to like to leave things and feel okay that i'm just going to go inside and make a cup of tea when it's pouring down rain and not try and get out there and do all this cleanup and feel bad that it's not all clean because i know that ultimately it's beneficial yeah um, yeah and clean where it matters clean around the front of your house where your neighbors are looking at it and yeah <laughs> or not yeah um thank you so much yeah. for joining us today for in season yeah. we're thinking about all of you gardeners out there and and our farmers heading yep. into fall and changing those seasons and hope that you're all well and uh, and enjoying this beautiful time of year mm -hmm.